On this week's episode of the XI Network podcast, the lads discuss Canada's emphatic Nations League victories over Cuba and Toronto FC's current run of form with a discussion around the team's playoff ambitions. All that and more coming up right here on the XI Network podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Starting Eleven podcast. I'm your host, Chengiz Khan, and with me today is Peter Robinson. Support local football. And another guy. So, (laughs) that's me! (laughs) Yes, Justin Borrow is also here, still supporting United, I see. That's why he's the uh, other guy. And I support United and I try to support local football as well, so you know. (laughs) Yes, we, yeah, it's 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 a whole thing. It's 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 a it's a bit much if, you, if we're gonna be honest. If you drop the United thing, we'd be able to tolerate you, but alas, you know, here we are, uh, soldiering on through gritted teeth. Anyways, we have we have been away for a little bit, but we're back, and we're gonna talk about first of all the Canadians' men national team. Shout out quickly before we get into it to Marco Carducci for getting his first ever national call up after starring for Cavalry. In the Canadian Premier League, already the league is producing results, bringing up new Canadians. He was languishing away in the uh, Vancouver Academy, you said, yep. right, Peter? Yeah, and now he's starring as the first term, first, uh, first choice goalkeeper for Cavalry FC. Minutes matter, and this league is so important for anybody who has aspirations to be in the national team because it provides the minutes that they otherwise wouldn't get if they were in you know tfc's academy and montreal's academy and all these other academies all around the world so yeah golf claps all around i think <laughs> and i think if we're looking on a larger scale i mean you've got ryan telfer who just got called up to trinidad and scored his first international goal at trinidad um absolutely it's one that canada has missed but you know we do we do what we can yeah, can't can't win them all, and uh, you know the the national team is brimming with talent now. It it is a genuinely a nice, tidy, exciting little side that we've got here. Our plucky underdogs, <laughs> as it were, against like you know the the likes of Mexico and United States. But I feel like now, I mean, yes, okay, we the two matches that came forth, it was against Cuba. Cuba's average age, average squad age is, is about fifty. Um, <laughs> You know, and and we're a youthful, energetic team. So obviously, we the the scoreline six nil and one nil, and then obviously we've we've had high scoring games against Cuba in the not too recent past. You know, it wasn't all that surprising, but seeing the way this team are playing, Peter, it it gives you hope. I mean, especially that first match, um, it was just it was really good to watch players like Junior Hoylet and Jonathan David go and do their thing, um, especially in front of the crowd in Toronto. Um, I know we didn't mm. get as many people out there as we would have liked in Toronto um, supporting the, mas- or the uh, men's national team. But, um, yeah, I, I really have to say it was, it was impressive watching these players mm-hmm. um, do what they do and do what, you know, a lot of teams in Europe are looking for is scoring goals and making it attractive Absolutely. and making, uh, you know, making football beautiful again. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Junior Hoylett uh, putting in a very mature performance, getting a hat-trick. Jonathan David with one, Jonathan Osorio with one, and Daniil Henry, my man, Daniil Henry, 
uh, West Ham legend, <laughs> getting himself a uh, goal as well. Uh, just, I mean, despite the relative, you know, inexperience of this team, you'd have to say they've got a goal or two in them now. Like you, when when we play the US in a month, you expect them to score at least one or two, right? Absolutely, yeah. And they're 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 a feisty team. They're they're fast. Uh, they're organized. Uh, these are all you know. Um, descriptive words that we can use about the Canadian men's national team that we never used to be able to use. <laughs> yeah. um, and and Absolutely. it's exciting. And I mean, with the World Cup coming soon, you know, um, to, uh, you know, to Canada, US and Mexico, it's it, it's nice to have a, a national team that we can hopefully, you know, field for that tournament that we can be proud of and that we can actually, you know, hope to produce results. Uh, and so I'm liking what I'm seeing. And uh, yeah, I 100% agree with you. I think that, you know, when we play the U.S. Uh, in a month's time, that we're, we're really going to take it to them. And I, I think that we have a, a pretty good fighting chance of winning that match. Especially with the U.S. going through their own problems with uh, management, with the changing of the guard. We've got a new generation coming through, but they don't seem to all really know how to play together. Whereas we're going from strength to strength to strength. Obviously, we've still got some uh, distance between, you know, matching with likes of Mexico and even the U.S., you know, historically, given our past performances against them. But signs are looking good. Yeah, it's definitely uh, looking up for the entire squad. I mean... um you know, with the players, a lot of Canadian players playing in Europe, um, and now with the uh, with the Canadian Premier League, um, it's allowing playing time. Number one, like you mentioned mm-hmm. before, um, and number two, it's it's allowing a sense of pride. You know, yes, it it makes them proud now to play for their their uh, their home nation because we're winning games now, of course, we're scoring goals. We're playing a track and and by 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 headline grabbing you know margins like six nil yeah like that that gets anybody you know sat up straight I don't care who you are you see a scoreline six nil you're like oh I want to know what happened there yeah um, and, and the U S women's national team then you just laugh at it you say six nil <laughs> <laughs> they didn't even celebrate that six goal <laughs> but I. I <laughs> <laughs> Feel like I feel like the women's team are just playing on amateur mode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're not wrong. Um, no, but I I think that you kind of hit the nail on the head there, and the fact that you know it's it's now exciting to play for your national team, and it's no longer seen as sort of a, a tedious task that you have to sort of go away for and, and take away from yeah. your you know from your your league play. Um, and I, I think that that's that's huge because it's you're gonna not only have that that pride when you come to play for the team when you put the jersey on, but you know now you actually believe in the team, you believe in the system. Uh, and I feel like that's that's going to be, you know, um, a, a really huge factor going forward for Canada, um, you know, with these big tournaments approaching, um, you know, for us to kind of go out there and say, look, we're not just a team that's going to be there because we're hosting. We're a team that's going to be there because we believe that we actually have enough quality to take us further than we've ever been in this tournament. Absolutely. TSN, please take note and give our boys some much needed coverage. What? For the love of Christ. So you know, like they're they're young, they're young, they're exciting, they're good footballers. Like more than anything, they're good footballers. Internationally recognized, locally recognized. We ought to they deserve our support. They've earned it. So I think that's um, one thing that I, I heard from a lot of people was that they didn't like the fact that it was on one soccer. Um really? which I do not agree with. I think okay. one soccer is providing the um, Canadian Premier League and the Canadian Championship matches. Sure. And they announced way earlier in the season that they were going to be 
covering the Nations League. So people can't be crying foul now saying, well, why is it not on TV? It's only on one soccer. Like, it, does anyone well, have a free there, there's, stream? Like, I don't understand that. A free yeah. stream to support your national team. I don't understand that. We're not we're not a European nation. We're not we're not a country where football is the number one thing. You can find a million different hockey streams for for the Leafs or for whoever. But for us, like we needed like every cent counts and we should be paying for these sources. But I will like agree that okay, it's on one soccer, yeah, that's not great because there's less eyeballs on one soccer and when you look at TSN, when you look at, like, there's not a whole lot happening sporting-wise anyways. It's, like, beginning of seasons and stuff. You know, like, why why not having it on TSN, you know? They'd have more exposure. They'd have more eyeballs. It'd be another thing to watch. Even if people watch it passively, they'll see them knocking in six nils, and they'll be like, oh, damn. And, and I think nil, that, that you've team. hit it right on the head there. I mean, I feel like there's, a, there's sort of the for and against argument in the sense that with Peter's argument, 100%, you know, go support one soccer because they that is the true epitome of support local football, right? With mm. They put on the Canadian Championship, they, they the CPL. Um, the, you, Owned you, by Media Pro, the, but that's okay. <laughs> the, the um, you know, the uh, Canadian men's national team. Uh, but I do agree with what you're saying, Chengiz, where if you, if you do put onto a broadcast like TSN, then you're going to get people who are going to have TSN on just in the background or who are just going to be flipping through, you know, sports people who just go to TSN to watch whatever is on. They don't care what it is. And so, you know, like you said, they're going to be watching this team. They're dominating Cuba uh, and they're going to take note. And I feel like that's that's huge for exposure, right? Because with one soccer, uh, having it there is great, but the only people who are going to be watching or tuning in are the people who are sort of subscribed and already sucked in to supporting local football. Uh, yeah. And I feel like that it kind of limits your your reach. It limits you from being able to sort of go out there and maybe take that casual footy fan who's watching and sort of drag yeah. them in, right? And so I feel like that's Plus, sort of the benefit yeah. of, of putting onto a big broadcast like TSN. Plus, we haven't seen a whole lot of like local like nuts and bolts advertising from One Soccer with regard to the Canadian Premier League. So why would they do it for the national team with even less interest? Um, so yeah, like yes, support local football always, always, always. But at the same time, we need more. <laughs> we need we need more. Um, but speaking of things that are on TSN. Um, Unbeaten in six, Toronto FC. Hey, giant air quotes. Four unbeaten. of those are draws. Fuck's <laughs> sake. Unbeaten. <laughs> now, look, okay. First things first, uh, this game against uh, New York City FC. In context, it's a, it's, it's a point on the road against the top-placed Eastern side. But when you look at the points average between the West and the East, that's not really saying much. Like, there's no way... Like, if you want to be winning against New York City FC if you want to have cup ambitions. Plain oh, and simple. 100%. Um, but, but, like, you know, Pozuelo did miss that second penalty. We can get into the specifics of the game itself. But, you know what? Like, I am okay with this result in the grand scheme of things because it does... It does keep the consistency. Like, okay, we were leaking goals at the start of the year. We, we were scoring a lot. We were leaking a lot. And then the goals dried up on our end, like in terms of like scoring them. And then we just started leaking goals. Now, it's sort of equalized. We're not scoring a whole lot, but we're not shipping them off either. Is it more important now, Justin, in the wake of a playoff, like we're four games away from, a, from playoffs being a thing. We are not secure. You know, we are literally one like the team below us I forget who's the team below us exactly um, 
It is DC. DC. D well, no, hang on. New York Red Bulls and New England have a game in hand on against us. And if both of them win, we are now in seventh place. You know, at risk to Montreal for the for the final playoff place. Is it important now, Justin, that we become hard to beat? Or should we be really going all out to really make ourselves secure? Like, is it, Or can we do both, given the personnel that we have and all the other issues? Well, I think that you want to do both. That's sort of the, the ideal thing here, is you want to secure. And because of the new playoff format, home field advantage is so much more important than it was, you know, say, last year with the, with the two-leg format. Because no matter what, you were guaranteed a game at home. So if you could go away, pull it a draw, then you're able to come home and, you know, hopefully put a few in um and so i feel like now it's you really need to um secure that spot and you want to make sure you secure a high spot because you want that home field advantage um mm. just in regards to the game tonight um yeah it's it's a good result on the face of things because when you look at it it's an uh, it's an away point at a a terrible field yankee stadium is by far one of the it worst fields horrible. in the mls uh, not only is it bad for the players, like it's just horrible, but it's even for the broadcast. It's just it, it's a baseball it's diamond. Not nice it's not at. nice to look at. It's hard to watch. Um, but that being said, because of how Toronto FC played, it's frustrating because it feels a lot more like two points dropped than one point gained in this sense. Yeah, uh, especially with that. Second and penalty. you know, with so many, you know, with so few games left, and with how tight it is, you know, between fourth and seventh, uh, every point counts. Uh, and I feel mm -hmm. like this was a situation where Toronto FC could have and should have walked away with all three. Um, and I feel like we, you know, there's you can't really ignore that, no matter the fact that this was, a, you know, an away point that we did take from the top team in the East. Uh, it, we should have had more, and and that's that's the frustrating part. Yeah, I totally I think agree. You you really have to look at the squad that New York City fielded as well. So they fielded. Uh, they were weakened. A, a weakened squad. And mm -hmm. for TFC not to capitalize on th that squad, um, it hurts us. It hurts us. And I, I was taking a look at the standings. And so TFC is fourth with 42 points in the Eastern Conference. Hypothetically, if TFC was in the Western Conference, they wouldn't even be in a playoff spot. Yeah, no, they wouldn't. And the, also, the teams above us have, well, Atlanta has one, two games in hand against us. So they, they're already six points ahead. So they could be a potential 12 points ahead of us. And then you have Philadelphia and New York City FC, who both have teams. Like, there's a huge gulf between the top three and the rest. We're not at that caliber at all. And like you're saying, like, we wouldn't even be able to challenge on the Western side. And I think that's an issue. So it's, it's becoming. I mean, obviously, we've been saying it's a it's a bit of a coaching issue for a while. We said it was a bit of a personnel issue where they didn't have the wingers that they were looking for. Um, they go and get, but they do yeah, now. They get Gallardo, um, that really helped. Yeah. Benazé has been pretty good as a as a yep. playmaker. Um, mm -hmm. And um, obviously, like the the emergence of Richie Larea and Sabasa Endo coming back, um, it's really helped yeah. the the personnel part of the team. Um, and you can see that from the results, but they're missing the the killer instinct, and I, I think that is really what's what's killing TFC right now is the fact that well, they like don't have that you, that as much as we love Josie Altidore, we don't have that striker who's going to come in and as soon as he touches the ball, you know it's going in the net. 
Well, I think it could also be an issue, well, it definitely is an issue of mentality on some level, because as much as new blood is good for the squad and it's good for the morale, it's good for, you know, making people feel rejuvenated and giving the coach options so people can rest, especially Pozzuolo needing the rest. He's been on the go for 12, 13 months now without a break, having come directly from Belgium after a full season, you know. A good coach will see that and you'd be motiva- motivated by it, allowing some people to rest, allowing the new guys to come in, uh, you know, go through a trial by fire, which is exactly what Gallardo and, and Benazé have gone through. And to be fair, they passed with, with not, I wouldn't say flying colours, but they've been good enough. Um, but, you know, like it, the, the damage has been done coming into this, this stage because we had a horrible, you know, game weeks four to... 13, did we say anything positive on this podcast about them? No, because there was nothing positive to say. We were we, we were down in the dumps, and it's it's actually a miracle how during that spell we weren't actually dead last because it felt like we were losing every game and we were drawing the games we should have won and throwing away games that we could have drawn. And it was, it was a horrible time. And then these guys have come in. They stabilized the squad, for sure. But, you know, they came into a squad that was already fairly down on his luck it was fairly down on everything you know Pozzuolo was complaining Altidore was saying things about the management it was just a, it was a it was a bit toxic you know mid-season but now we're coming out of the end of it there's been less noise from everybody involved everybody's just been focused which is good and I think you have to give credit to the GM for that that has that is a top level decision you have to give credit to Vanny for you know making us hard to beat but now comes the big question do you give him another year do you let him now with a proper squad attempt to build another vision and like give him a third chance or a fourth chance or i don't know how many chances he's had at this point do you let him do you let him like have a bye year with the playoffs or do you demand excellence and judge him from that i think the i think that bye year is going to come down to these final four games uh, I think if Toronto FC goes out and um, you know it can be running on full cylinders and bearing <clears throat> sorry bearing in mind that last year was considered a bye year. Yeah, um, I mean it's it's one of those things where you know there was a lot of instability at the beginning of this year, end of last year. I mean all of last year was you know not great, uh, and then when mm. you got through the summer or through the off season, um, you had um, you know a lot of instability with Giovinco. Is he staying? Is he going? Um, you know, Eltador, is he going to be fit? Um, you know, there was just a lot of contract talk. Pasuelo was coming in, but we didn't know exactly when and whether it was going to happen. Mm. So anyways, point of the matter is that you're right. Throughout the season, it's, it hasn't been, you know, very stable, but we're kind of seeing that stability now. Um, and so the question is that now that we're starting to see things stable and Toronto FC are producing results, they're not, you know, great results. You know, like you said, four draws in the last six games um, is, yeah. is not, you know, anything to write home about. But... We are hard to beat. So the question, the, the big question is, do we want to, you know, sort of rock the boat by firing Vanny, bringing a new coach? Uh, sometimes it's a, it's a great, you know, morale booster for the players. It's sort of a fresh start and, and, and teams really build bolster from it. Or you have the Montreal impact um, sort of scenario where bringing a new coach in just sort of just runs the ship even further down into the ground. And so my, 
long story short though my roundabout here is that it, uh, my my fear is that if toronto fc are, are playing well these next four games uh the team is demanding excellence vanny hasn't really stood up to the test and they get rid of him is that going to cause more instability coming to the offseason and is toronto fc going to go right back down to sort of that the team that we saw at the beginning of this this season peter um You've not been the biggest fan of Vanny. I think you've you've been single-handedly the most vocal critic of the three of us of him. If he does well, just imagine he does well in the playoffs. He goes very deep. Let's say he gets to the semis. Do you keep him? Um, I think you just shake his hand and say, thanks for the championship. See you later. You know, good luck elsewhere. Uh, I think this team mm. is going to go through transition in the offseason obviously with the michael bradley contract situation you know that's your captain that's your general um so with him leaving with sort of josie being a little bit outspoken and pause being a little bit outspoken during the season um i i don't think that he has the control of the locker room that he needs um and you know maybe bringing in a uh, fresh blood a fresh look at the, the squad and, and the way that we play, maybe it's going to help. You never know. Um, so I, I, th- I think this is going to be the, uh, the swan song of Greg Fanny, this playoffs. Sure. If they make it. Now, speaking of that Michael Bradley situation, you know, yes, he is the, the, the governor general of this team, um, but he hasn't performed like it. He hasn't really stood out in a big way, aside from the opening weekend when he scored two goals. He's pitched in here and there. He's He's been... Hey, come on. He scored of... a banger against FC Cincinnati. <laughs> on <Okay>. a plate. <laughs> I'm just... Um, you know, he's, 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 been a pro- he's been a fixture in that midfield for, for quite a few years now, but this was definitely not his best year. Um, you know, he's looked extremely suspect defensively, especially considering he's supposed to be a holding midfielder and he's supposed to be that 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 kind of player that, that breaks up the play. And somehow, somehow, you know, like I was advocating for Marky Delgado to be the holder and then Bradley to play up the pitch because he's got more. Delgado scored more goals than Bradley this year now. And Delgado's actually turned into somewhat of a solid player. So this ascension of Marky Delgado, it's almost like he deserves the DP spot more than Bradley does at this point. Oh so, my god, I can't believe the words that are being said right now. I am like but but Marky like this Delgado is the strange season. This is this player. Okay, can we just but take this, a pause for one second? Because this is so funny because we're in this conversation right now, guys. We're talking about, you know, Marky Delgado and how he, I open up my, my Facebook quickly and you know, we're all part of the uh, voice for the Lakeshore and the first yeah. thing that I see is in big capital letters, Delgado is brutal. I mean I'm not a fan of Marky <laughs> as soon Delgado. as you as soon as you were saying that Delgado is brutal, I just think that's pretty funny. Sorry. <laughs> but no, he has yeah, definitely that, turned yeah. it around. I mean, uh, you know, uh, two goals in the last three games. Uh can't go wrong there yeah no i'm I'm definitely definitely being tongue-in-cheek when i say he should be a dp but (laughs) it is an interesting question is that is bradley worth the dp slot is out like i don't think he brings enough to the team anymore quite frankly i think he definitely has some leadership capabilities but it's about ability at the end of the day isn't it yeah i think so it, it should like your dp your dp slot should be about the players who are the best on the field and on if you want to look at the season, if you want to look at the track record, Rosario deserves it more than Bradley does. Yeah, I think if we're being completely honest with ourselves, the signings of Josie Altador and Michael Bradley were just as much uh, 
PR stunts for the league as they were beneficial for TFC. Um, we knew that coming into it, coming into his contract, that Josie Altador had glass ankles. Um, we knew that he had bad hamstrings. We knew that he had injury problems all the time, yet they still took a chance on him. He, he has been decent. Has he been an astronomical designated player for us? I don't think so. Um, he was he was for two seasons. I'd say the the nearly season and then the championship season. He was phenomenal. Oh, championship season. He was unreal. Uh, you know, like w- with the Altidore, though, I feel like every time he's on the pitch, we look different. Which is which is what you want your DP to do. You want to your DP to bring that extra dimension. And I think him and two like definitely at the early at the um, beginning of the season. Pozzuolo, but now at this stage, I don't see it. And I like I don't know if this conversation is motivated by the fact that we look quite dull out there, and that that becomes a coaching issue, or if it's just because they don't have the fire or the natural inherent ability to play at a nine out of ten every week that you need your DPS to play at. I mean. When it comes to Altidore, he's you know he's definitely a DP type player, and, and when he's on the pitch, he does bring sort of that 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 next dimension that you need to the team, and and yeah. that, that it's sort of uh, that that missing dynamic, um, you know, to you know when he's up top there, nobody can really seem to stop him, and and when he's on fire, he's on fire. Uh, the the, the yeah. biggest issue with him is that he's just so fragile, um, and, he and he's so sort of. Um, unreliable in that sense because you you never can seem to get a consistent run with him it's like you'll get a run of two games three games and then he's he's off because there's a you know a, a sore hammy or because of an ankle issue and then he's gone for two or three games then you know he'll come back for a game or two and he'll he'll do great things but then he's gone again for you know another uh, another game or two because of an injury or because it's it's been aggravated and so the the issue is that yeah. there's no consistency and so that's sort of where you have to sort of look at that situation because yeah quality wise i think he's definitely worth the dp money and i think he's definitely a dp type player but the issue is that you're not getting the consistency out of him so you're not really getting what you're paying for and that's that's sort of the biggest issue in regards to altador peter something i don't i don't see enough sorry to interrupt you but just to throw this in your face real quick is something you don't see a lot of in the mls is the solid one in every three player like the one in every three like there's certain players around europe the biggest one that comes to mind obviously because i'm that person is roberto Firmino. he's good for one goal every three games uh max cruz is another one in three striker um up until recently class jan huntelaar was a one in three striker should should toronto fc ditch out door or ditch the whole concept of of what we're looking for in dp in terms of like marketability and you know superstardom and just look for an ability-based dp that can deliver the results in a consistent manner. Well, I think that's what they were hoping with with Pozzuolo. Um, but yeah. we've seen that he, he came out like a house on fire. Um, you know, sure. his, his first few games... He had a great his season. His games were amazing. Um, yeah, he had a great season in Belgium before he came to yeah, us. Yeah, so, you know, if we're, if we're going based on performance, then obviously he was a decent designated player signing. Um, but it just seems once he's come here, it, it's... I don't know if it's like you were saying about tiredness and fatigue throughout the season because he has really hasn't had a break um toxicity around the team toxicity around team it could be that he's playing down to the level of uh you know opponent that he has um it could also just be the fact that he's getting beat up 
as soon as you have a designated player tag in the MLS, you're a target. And I don't think he's ever he, he I don't think he's ever experienced that before. And the MLS is a very physically I mean, demanding league. Sure, but like the Belgian league, the Spanish leagues, they they're not exactly cakewalks either. I think you know people look at Pozuelo and they give him a good rough round the ankles because of uh, what was that guy from the MLS podcast? You know, bring him down or oh, hack him down I or you don't remember? even remember his name. He's that insignificant. Oh. Yeah, exactly. But like that Bobby that, War- that Bobby exact. Warshaw. Yeah, okay. Bobby Warshaw. But that exact mentality is probably very prevalent in a lot of MLS coaches, and you see this a lot in English league as well. It's like, you know, so it's less football and more rugby. Uh, <laughs> but you know, like, what do you do against a talented player like Pozzuoli? You make sure he never has a chance to be comfortable, and that's one way of doing it. So yeah, there there might be you might he might be rough housed. He might be going through more rough housing than he's been through before, but. I think, like, to, to go off your point, he's, I, I definitely get the sense he's playing down because he wants to try things. He wants to make things happen. You see it with the movement, the way he picks up the ball and ex- how he likes to turn with it. But there's nobody in front of him. There's nobody next to him. He always seems isolated. He always seems like he's picked the ball up in a very strange area. And as soon as the person has passed it to him, he can't even do the pass back because they've become blocked off from, from marking from, from the opponent. So I feel like he's frustrated because the footballing IQ of the players around him aren't up to snuff or the system isn't quite right for him. Yeah, I think if, you, if you've if you ever played um, like a really low-level Sunday league or low-level co-ed and you're a, a, any sort of a decent player, um, they'll, they'll get the ball to you, but then they expect you to do everything with it. You know, like <laughs> you'll, you'll look for a pass to open up space for yourself to run off onto but the passes aren't there because people are either in the wrong position or they're not where you expect them to be or they're not able to take the pass that you're providing um so i honestly i think it's a lot of frustration on his on his part i think that that Pizzuolo kind of saw a little bit of a payday in the mls you know it's canada it's the u.s um obviously i don't know what it's like living in Belgium. I assume it's pretty good. Um, good waffles. Yeah, exactly. Good chocolate. Good beer. Um, I mean, I like to think that we have close to the same thing. Just good maple syrup no, for no, the waffles. No, no, <laughs> no. Don't don't even try it. Like I love Canada, but no. Um, I I honestly think that he's just frustrated, um, and it yeah. doesn't help when you're playing for as as sort of pompous as this sounds. It doesn't help when you're playing for a guy like Greg Vanny, who, let's be honest, really hasn't played high, high level football before. And he's not extracting the best out of the players, or he hasn't been able to since 2017. But even then, that old argument was it Javinko? Was it Vanny? You know? And let's not go down that rabbit hole. Let's <laughs> try and be a little bit more positive to finish off this podcast. Justin, I want to hear your playoff predictions. Are we going to make the playoffs? And if we do, and how far are we going to go? Uh, I, I do think uh, that Toronto FC has the ability to make it far in the playoffs. 
Um, I, I feel like it's going to depend on sort of where we finish and who we end up playing. I think that if we can, you know, finish strong and, and, and sort of secure ourselves in a, in a good, good place, I'm thinking fourth or fifth, uh, we really set ourselves up for an opportunity to to kind of, uh, go deeper than say if we finish in seventh. Um, so I am going to say that Toronto FC is going to finish in fifth place. Uh, and I think that we are going to make it. Um, I'm going to say conference semifinals. Wow. That's, okay. that's my playoff Pete, prediction. Peter, go ahead. What's your, uh, prediction uh I'm going to say that we miss, we're going to miss the playoffs. Um, oh, and that's not me being a pessimist. It's me looking at who we have to play, um, still in, in the season. So we still have to play LAFC. We still have to play Chicago. Um, we still have to play Columbus. Plus we have a two-legged canadian championship against montreal um three well we have we have an away leg at montreal three days before we play lafc away so there's travel to factor in exactly and i think if you're looking towards next season what's more important do we win the canadian championship and play in the Concacaf champions league or do we try to squeak into the playoffs so i i really think that they should go all out and try and win the canadian championship so that they have champions league next year um yeah like it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be hard for them uh obviously columbus and chicago aren't the best teams in the league columbus has been playing a little bit better um with pedro santos being healthy um sure uh and by that time lafc like they've already clinched so who knows we might get a second a, a second squad against them yeah. Um, so there's Maybe. a chance, but realistically, I, I think that we uh, we just missed the playoffs. I'm going to go a little bit more optimistic than that, but uh, not by much. I'm going to say it's going to come down to the wire. It's going to be a final day scrap. Uh, we're going to get a result against Columbus by some virtue of some <laughs> bullshit like var or something uh we'll make the playoffs i don't know what position we'll end up in we'll but but we'll make the playoffs that in turn will give the squad a big boost which will fizzle out in the quarterfinals so you said quarterfinals justin says semifinals yep. conference semis. semifinals. so technically quarterfinals um yeah it's gonna be an interesting end to the season that's for sure oh we still have to play colorado as well let's not forget that yeah, but I mean, just because we're hard to beat doesn't mean we know how to win, you know? I mean, technically, we're not hard to beat. I, I think this is a little, this isn't a microcosm of our season. This is just kind of like a flash in the pan run that we're going on. If you look at the whole season. But it's coming, at, but here's the thing it's coming at the right time. And, you know, you're unbeaten in six coming up to the most crucial stretch of the season, the last four games. Yeah. And you've got a championship to win as well. Like you, like I, I'd be very surprised if the boys weren't feeling, at least at some level. Okay, well they can't get past us, you know. And that's a little bit of a comfort, you know. Like with all, all good, solid teams have good defenses. We know this. Um, you know, if you can't, if you can't score goals, then at, at the very least, stop letting them go. And we're getting better at that. Um, but that said. It's it's strong FC like there's no consistency about this team really we don't know if we're gonna draw if we're gonna win if we're gonna lose 
I have lost interest in being in- invested to the point where I care every week to to get super jazzed up about results because I honestly don't know if Dr. Jekyll or Mr. Hyde is going to come out to play. And I'm just going to take the season for what it is. It's It's been a weird one. Um, I would like to see Vanny replaced. I think we all would at this point. But uh, at the same time, I also want to see our boys do as the best they can. Um, and on that somewhat somber note, I think it's uh, that it's time to end. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, as ever, you can find us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast media. Be sure to leave a like, subscribe, and comment below. Tell us what your favorite part of the video is. Hit that bell button. <laughs> Donate it. Donate to the stream. You know... All the all the social media call to actions, you know the drill at this point. Thank you again for listening. This has been Peter Robinson. Support local football. A degenerate. <laughs> That's me, because I'm a United fan, apparently. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, guys, Toronto FC, I'm telling you right now, conference semifinals, mark my words. You heard it here first. And myself, slightly less optimistic, Chengiz Khan, your host. Thank you again for listening. We'll catch you next time.